Welcome to the Learning Can't Wait podcast, an iTutor production. At iTutor, our vision is to ensure every child has access to education, regardless of circumstance. Each episode, we will be joined by pathfinders within and around the education space who are bringing about transformational change on behalf of deserving students. I am your host, Haley Spiravauer. Welcome back, everybody. I am so excited for you to meet today's guest, Ty Holmes, the Chief Inclusion Officer at Curriculum Associates. Ty, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, Haley. Glad to be here. I know that when I name the the organization that you are a part of, Curriculum Associates, many people's ears will perk up. And I'm sure that during our time together, as you talk about your own education journey and the education journey of Curriculum Associates, there'll be many connections for the folks that are still in classrooms or were in classrooms in the past couple decades. That I imagine... Uh... I imagine that'll be the case. Yeah, very much one of our guests that has a household name, Curriculum Associates, or maybe maybe the term isn't household, maybe it's schoolhold name. Yeah. Uh, Associates is a big one that a lot of educators use, and I'm excited for you to share a little bit about your own journey and the journey of the organization today. Thank you, thank you. Well, again, thanks for thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm excited. So, Ty, I know that you didn't begin your career at Curriculum Associates, or CA, as the insiders call it. Why don't you share with us a little bit about your own, how you became this professional and personal version of yourself today? I would say, like, I am really, really fortunate in the sense that, like, my greatest wealth has been in relationships, right? Like, I have just have a great family, amazing parents. I've been really lucky to have cool teachers. I grew up in White Plains, New York, in a, a, a town called Greenberg, which has this like just really sort of rich and interesting history, diversity of culture and thought and mindset. And even even upon going to college, I went to the University of Maryland. My major is secondary mathematics education, but I, I, I met a professor. I guess my sophomore, maybe my junior year who actually worked in the publishing industry. And what's really interesting for me to think about now is like, even as a student, right, a lifelong student and, you know, books would just appear in classrooms and we would use them. I, I did not actually think about the fact that there was an entire industry of hardworking people who were listening to educators and trying to make resources to support them. I had, I didn't have the word, I didn't know. It like magic, yeah. It like they disappeared. Like I, I didn't think about any of the thought that went behind them. And uh, I didn't have anyone in my sphere of influence that worked in the industry. So it didn't seem like a possibility to me. And it was just one professor in a long line of great educators who saw something, provided an opportunity and opened a door. I love that. First, I love the the quote that you gave here. You have had the greatest wealth. Your greatest wealth has been in relationships. I've never heard anyone describe their experiences connecting with other people as the greatest wealth. That's such an interesting term. Like, you know, it is a wealth to have connections and people that uplift you and enrich you. So thanks for, for giving that little moniker to the term. Oh, abs absolutely. I think that, you know, if we anyone takes a moment just to reflect on their journey, 
it's people, people. Like I don't know anyone who doesn't think like when you ask them like that, they don't actually work hard. Like most of the people I know, like you work. Yes, of course I work hard. Yes, I work hard. Like it's always the answer, but most people are in the places and the spaces they are because of some other human. Yeah, no. And I ask this question in some way quite often, right? And it's, you're right. It's always the people I've had folks come on this podcast talking specifically about the connections in their lives and how those connections impact themselves and other people. But it, it matters whether it's someone who you look at from afar that inspires you or someone who directly is in your life who challenged you or saw something in you. No. So often is the story. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's always, it's just always people. You, so you, I mean, you answered my next question really, which was like, what moment stands out to you? It sounds like this professor had a very profound impact on your trajectory. Oh yeah. I mean, her, her name and she's passed on. Her name is Dr. Yvonne Gensler. She was a professor at the University of Maryland. And then she, you know, moved on from there to a few other universities, but she had a history working in publishing. She worked for, I believe, Pearson. Uh, she was a consultant for them. And I remember, I mean, like it was yesterday, her class was the first of my like professional education classes in my college career. And it was late, like in the afternoon, like it was after three or four. Right. Oh, so college feeling, yeah. Right, right. So I remember feeling like that was late. And on the first, I think it was like the first night she just asked, you know, she was, it was sort of a getting to know people moment. And she asked everyone like, why do they want to become a teacher? I have no idea what I said. I can't tell you what I said, but she, she actually asked to see me after class. And I was like, huh, okay, that's interesting. And it was like the first night, never met this person before in my life. And she said to me afterwards, she said, I just want you to know, one of the things I found interesting is that your response was really geared to the impact that educators had had on you. Right. And it was very positive in that, uh, like sort of in that vein. And she said that she was like, I don't know if you noticed, but it was really kind of different. Like most of the class was going in the direction of they wanted to transform this. They wanted to change this. You know, they were here to make this better. And you literally talked about the impact educators had on you and the, the chance to have that impact. And she just, you know, it was just like a conversation, but the next thing I knew within like a month or two or so, like those conversations continued and she became a real mentor. Mentorship is so important. I, you know, I, I will say, and, and I'm pulling that out of what you're sharing here. And I want to go back a little bit more to publishing in a second, but I, you know, I think folks use the term mentor very broadly, but a real mentor can be, as we're saying, transformative and impactful, can have a really profound impact on people. And I, you know, I imagine it sounds like Dr. Gensler really had that on you. What about that relationship stands out to you now when you look back at it? Oh, so many things. I mean, first it was just, she didn't have to do anything that she did. She didn't have to do any of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like she took the time to explain to me what the publishing industry was about. She knew that I was, I was graduating, you know, and 
folks who are aspiring educators, you go through this, right? Like you have your coursework, but then you have student teaching. Student teaching is like a semester. And if you don't time out like your coursework, right? Like it could be the difference between a four-year degree and a four and a half year degree. Right. right. Like so many, like, you know, aspiring educators go through that. She knew I was graduating in December that I would be subbing and, you know, those sorts of things. And she said, you know, I've, she sent uh, one of her former students to manager who lived in a different part of the country. And that student had a background in ELA. And she was like, you have a background in mathematics. I think you should talk to a few people. Like she did that on her own. Like I hadn't had a professional interview before. Right. I, was like, right. I was like 21 years old. Yeah. And yeah. so she, you know, she helped me like even down to like, all right, I, I got I bought this blazer. Should I go with this? Should I like it was unbelievable. The just the level of detail and care yeah, and care. That was the word care. That's yeah. care right there. Yeah. And it 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 opened um it opened a door that just led to other doors. Yeah, I I love the way you describe such small things that you don't forget, right? I, mm. I know that when you think back, you know, this person helped you get all the building blocks in place so mm. you could take the next step in your journey and how powerful that was for you. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you take her class, you're in, you, you learn about publishing, you realize it's not magic elves that make the books appear. <laughs> and, and then what happened? How did we get to your CIO role at CA, oh. using all the acronyms in the world, where we are today? Oh, wow. That's, that's a much longer story. I, when I started in publishing, my, since my background was mathematics, it presented a unique opportunity where I was working for a publisher that was publishing a brand new series. So they had all of these educators who had tons and tons of experience, but they actually had not been in front of educators with the book that they were publishing. So while I was, you know, a baby, so to speak, age wise, um, I ha had a little bit of experience that all of these, you know, long term professionals didn't have, which was like, I could really speak to the impact that this book and these resources made. So I stayed sort of in the math realm for a very long time. And in publishing, depending my past life before Curriculum Associates, uh, companies grew and merged with other companies and, you know, things of that nature. And when I ended up at Curriculum Associates, I was still primarily, I was on a, a team that is just an amazing team at CA. They're called National Directors of Content and Implementation. And I was on that team and my focus was mathematics. And over time, we really started to look at, our focus really became like equitable access and outcomes for all kids. That team really sort of, unbeknownst to them, like they really trained me, they prepared me for this role. Because they were like, I don't know, they were, they were like poet scholars sort of roaming the countryside, right? <laughs> like working with, uh, like spreading the good news and working with educators. But what we noticed, because we're a data tied to instruction company, is we were able to not only look at the data, but look at the data, the data's people. So we're able to look at what was happening to humans demographically, right? Socioeconomically and see those gaps and then we're traveling to these districts and you know 
coming out of New York state and, you know, living for a time in the Bronx and so forth, and then traveling around the nation, you start to see like the lines of segregation, right? Both racially and economically, you start to look at the uh, actual education data tied to those lines. And you start to see where the most need for support is. And I think all of those things, uh, the combination really effectively led me to this role. I think you bring up this large data set that CA has available to them, given its assessment bank and whatnot. And it is very timely as this morning's headliners are all of the recently which again, it was the NAEP data. Let me get to the point. NAEP data, we're waking up this morning. Everybody's talking about it. How surprised are you at the results we're seeing this morning? I didn't find the results like surprising. Like I wasn't like, wait, I did not expect this ever. <laughs> you know, that's That was not the, the case. I think yeah. that, but takeaway wise, I think like not just like NAEP data, but when I look at the past few years, one of the key takeaways for me is like, hey, communities out there, if you didn't value your teachers before, right, you got to value them now. Now's the time. Now's the time to value them. Now's the time to listen to those teachers who are working in districts where they're serving the kids who have the highest need, like to listen and to provide them with the resources they need to effectively do their job. Like now is the time, right? I mean, was it, it was just a year and a half ago where, I mean, there were 8 billion memes of like parents struggling to teach their kids third grade math, right? Right, and right. And desperately wanting schools to open. We open. Um, how quickly like, we forget. Right? Like, <laughs> and, and realizing just how hard, how challenging the job of a teacher is, right? Sure. If, like, if we're not walking away with that learning, uh, we failed the pandemic quiz. Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. like as a as a as a community as a nation like if we're not walking away with that we failed we failed the quiz and it's like listening to educators providing them with the resources that they need the the training that they need the lens that they need to look at and implement data effectively and implement instruction effectively that improves the relationship that kids have with their subject matter like that's where it's at you know, you made a comment earlier about when you traveled the country and you met the people behind the data, and now you're saying it again. You're just saying it a different way. You're using different words. You're saying, hey, the data gives us this information. The people behind it are the teachers. And so that's like a real threat I'm hearing from our conversation. And there's no surprise either there, right? We know that and the conversation dialogue around teacher shortage has been an interesting one over the past couple months. But we know that in some places around the country, in some demographic regions, we have a teacher shortage. So not only do our teachers need more help with what to teach, how to teach, which the data does tell us somewhat of a direction, but also how to keep teachers from burning out. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, abs absolutely, right? We, we definitely need to, it's an extremely important job and not, we need to make sure that our teachers are taken care of, that they, you know, not just have like what I would call uh, self-care strategies, but that they work in a place where they feel valued 
where they feel like their outcomes are um, possible and that they're a member of a team that all has the same initiative, the same goal, right? Like that's really, really important. Uh, and we'll, I think as a, like, we have to get better at that. Like our communities have to get better at supporting their teachers so that they don't burn out. Well, and it's interesting because as I was doing digging in preparation for our conversation, I read about CA's mission. And one of the one of the aspects of its mission is actually to make teaching a better profession. So I'm going to back us up two steps and we're going to get there. I'm going to put a point in. But Curriculum Associates has been recognized as a phenomenal place to work by a variety of outlets, Glassdoor, comparably a whole host of sources say your your organization is a wonderful place to work. So how do you achieve that? How, what, what does Curriculum Associates, what are you working on with your teams to ensure that your organization is a place of belonging? So I would say like to be, to have uh, a culture of belonging just means that effectively your whole, all of your staff knows that they have an equitable opportunity to thrive. Right? that they can be themselves and that there's not an aspect of their identity that's in some way going to hinder their day-to-day -day work life and or their opportunity to grow, right? This is something that we are striving for. And while we are happy and you know over the moon uh, with the um, sort of accolades that are bestowed upon us from other organizations, we set goals for ourselves we have criteria for ourselves we have values for ourselves and we and we set really really hard ones <laughs> like really uh high goals so we are constantly striving to reach the goals we set for ourselves we never it's kind of an interesting game where we never quite reach them sure no arrival there's no finish right. line on there's no finish line uh but it keeps us moving and then what's interesting about that is when it comes to data, and I know we'll get to this later, when it comes to assessment data, right? There's like, there's normative data, which is primarily comparative data, and there's criterion reference data, which is really about like what the grade level standards say you need to know or be able to do to perform on grade level. So we have internally like criterion reference data. We're happy for the normed data out there from, you know, uh, glass doors and, and so forth that look at our company and say, hey, you're really, we're doing, we are humbled uh, beyond belief, but it's reaching the criteria we set for ourselves that really matters. Living and breathing what we expect of our teachers in the classroom at your own organization, right? It, it, I So much of what I think happens as teachers who leave the school building, when we work, some of us work at organizations like ed tech companies, we suddenly realize that everything is just a microcosm of the classroom, right? You, you have to you have to backward plan everything you want to accomplish. You have to set goals that are big, hairy, and audacious. And companies do the same. It's it's just a a different format and a different place and space. I love to hear that even though you received all these accolades, you still have goals that you set for yourselves that are hard and ambitious because there is no arrival. I'm sure that's part of what makes it such a fantastic place to work is that you're continually looking at the future of how you could be better for the people that are working on this, this journey with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So how does, now going back to the mission and getting back to schools again, how does Curriculum Associates achieve or how is it going to accomplish some of its secondary part of its mission, which is to make schools better for, for teachers? So, yeah, our, our mission, right, we want to make classrooms a better place for teachers and for students. And the way that we do that, right, there's there are so many ways to do that and so many organizations that do, you know, things to support, right? Our way of being supportive is to deliver products and services that enable educators to drive like access and outcomes for all kids. The shortest way to say it is we tie data to instruction. Data historically has not always been actionable at the level of instruction. Like when I was a kid, I remember, you know, today's the day you go to the gym and you take a test. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea what that test is or what that test means. You grab your number two pencil, you break open that little sticker piece of tape thing, and then you sit and you take the test. When you're done, you never see the results. You don't know what it means. You don't know if anyone's utilizing um, what they learned about you mm. on that test. You have no idea, right? Yeah. And in many cases and spaces, historically, like that's been the case for decades upon decades whereas the way that we look at what we produce is that the the sole purpose of assessment i mean there are tons but like at least our heart and our intention is that that assessment's a learning tool and it's meant to tie the assessment data to instruction the teachers are learning about right how they can better reach their students and in what areas the students are getting an opportunity to get a sense of what their relationship is with a subject right based on these grade level standards like where they are in that grade level journey and then that data needs to be tied to actionable instruction so that a teacher knows now i've got a report that says this fifth grade students on a third grade level with number and operation and a third grade level with algebraic thinking and a fourth grade level with geometry and you know a third or fourth grade level with measurement but what do i actually do with that right like i have numbers now on a piece of paper but how do i actually effectively teach the student and so we answer that question and that's our way of making right schools classrooms a better place for teachers and students because teachers know what the students need and students are getting what they need right and our tool is one way to help i distinctly remember being early in my career of teaching and getting some data on my students and then seeing like another teacher who was very experienced in the community i was teaching and had been in the classroom for a long time how they implemented that data and think it was like a light bulb moment for me where i was like oh, the data itself doesn't really do anything. <laughs> you actually have to understand the data and action the data yeah. with students. And, and you learn it in school, you learn it in your courses, right. but then living and breathing it every day, because it's every day. It's not for, for folks listening who never taught in the classroom. It's not that you action one piece of data once and suddenly the kid learns the information. <laughs> Right. You have to cyclically return back to skill gaps and accelerate student learning so that they can achieve more uh, or, or, or kind of gain more knowledge and achieve greater success on each of the kind of scaffolded skills. 
I didn't know that even though I learned that until I lived it. Right. Right. That's, and that's what our tool is designed to help. That's what the iReady diagnostic assessment suite is designed to do. It's designed to give teachers actionable data. It lets them know exactly where students are on a K-12 spectrum, like down to the domain level for reading and math, but ties that to actionable data. So if your student is close to grade level or far below grade level and so forth, that data is actionable. And it's also, since we keep getting better at it, it also is actionable in the sense that it relates now to becoming more closely tied to the grade level scope and sequence that a teacher might be teaching at fifth grade. Right? right, because the the muscle that teachers are constantly working to build is uh, how to effectively scaffold like a boss. You know, hashtag pending. Right? <laughs> like, like, it's the, the notion that like there's every student has unfinished learning. Like every student, nobody masters a hundred percent of X grade and no. then comes in over the summer having all of that just like now. Right. Yeah and in their cells, so to speak. Um, So there's always a space or a place where there's something that's not quite fully cooked. And while the teacher is going on with their grade level instruction, the data, the reports have to be designed to help them say, oh wait, here's a space where you need to pause, right? Teach this in this way to create an access point for this student or this group of students to the grade level lesson today. Yeah, not to mention, I think of this, I think it's not a problem if it if you have the right tools, but this issue that teachers often change grade levels. So they may have become a boss and a master of second grade. And then next year, they're oh, yeah. still eighth and fifth grade. And they have to know a whole new set of content and information. Which is another thing that I'm not like, I would love for communities to appreciate about teachers. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You were, you were the pitcher one year mm-hmm. and now you're the shortstop. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know what I mean? Like you, that's like a, a really tough move. Sure. And, and teachers, you know, metaphorically have to make that move at the drop of a hat. Sometimes it's like, you know, August and sure. they're told, okay, so you're going to be, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. So yeah. I had a wait, I had a few wait what moments in my school <laughs> career for sure. But it, you know, having the right tools and having the right data to really know your students because I, at the end of the day, I argue that everything's about the individual, right? It's never mm-hmm. about the curriculum. It's about the children that are in your classroom in front of you each and every day. And so having the right data that tells you about the children so you can adequately support them is what allows for teachers to be successful with every child. So, Ty, I'm curious how you and how, well, how you view the future of teacher teaching and learning. And what do you think is the, the next wave for education? So I don't, I don't really... I don't really think about education in terms of waves or like next waves, you know, I think that there are, there are just good, solid teacher moves that are out there that people do and implement. Right. And it's just a matter of scaling that wisdom so that more folks can benefit from it. We looked at uh, sort of like beating the odds data, which were like schools right? That effectively, you know, beat the odds. They beat, you know, like 
they defied expectations. They defied, you know, uh, trends from past years. They defied, you know, what their zip code is done. Like, and it always comes back to just like really effective teaching. <laughs> so folks are doing it, I think. So I don't necessarily look at it in terms of here's the, you know, the panacea, the cure all, the silver bullet that's going to change everything. It's just a matter of like, we have these really amazing bright spots it's scaling that wisdom right so it's like getting even better at both listening to our educators and then promoting the great things that they're doing right so that other educators across the nation can actually benefit from it kind of goes back to the starting point of relationships right bringing bringing those relationships that you see that are working in schools and classrooms to other people so they can benefit even if it's not a direct connection between the superstar who's making all the right moves as you need but right. brings us back to that which is is a kind of awesome circle to get us at for the end of our conversation i i think that you know the last question i i ask everybody on the on the podcast is about what advice you would give a teacher starting their career so i'll ask you the same ty what advice would you oh, give a teacher oh, starting their career? i am i i don't I, i'm not in really any position to give uh advice i i have often said too to in you know some of our like summits and speaking engagements that like rather than giving advice to teachers like listen to them like i'd rather talk to the community <laughs> right i'd rather talk to the community about like how to value what it is that teachers do right when you look at any kind of data and so forth that's coming out of your district the teachers in many cases have already been asking for support in those areas before that data became available, right? So what are we doing as a community to get them the support that they need? Like that's really it. And, and my hope is that as communities do a better job of rallying around teachers, right? That we also consider the sort of the stress and strain that teachers are under and start to think about like care. You know, like what are what are the sort of self-care rituals that teachers have? Is there a chance for them to share in community with other teachers what they're doing for the benefit um, of teachers across the nation? But like, what are the things we can do collectively as communities to to reduce some of the stressors that our teachers are under? I mean, Haley, during the pandemic, like we were in contact with educators who even though their schools were closed, they were leaving schools open just so kids could get a hot meal. We're teachers who literally pivoted on a dime to learn how to teach via Zoom. And like most people at that point didn't know what Zoom was. Right, absolutely. Right? Like, I know. Like, like, like they had to find out what Zoom was and then this notion of creating a lesson and working through Zoom right to teach a lesson there were teachers who were driving like we saw this in our community like they were making house calls yep. during the pandemic yep because this student or that student like wasn't checking in sure to the virtual classes like these are the kinds of things that um i don't know if people fully appreciate but like they definitely should yeah no teachers <laughs> teachers are 
are our greatest resource and are some of the most challenged professionally of any industry that exists. I, I, and I'm obviously a little biased. I mean, you know, I'm in the game where I, I believe teachers matter more than almost anything in a school building. And what we see is a little bit, uh, quite a bit of erosion. You mentioned it earlier. We you know everybody was uplifting teachers at the beginning of the pandemic. Like, right. thank you so much, Robin. And now it's somewhat forgotten. All of the things you just named, all of the pivoting on a dime, showing up at students' houses, changing every every ounce of what they know to be true, because they physically couldn't be with their students anymore. Yep. It it gets forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, they were going through what we were going through this pandemic. Sure. Right. So like they were doing all of that during the actual pandemic. So, you know, that I think is, uh, I think it's just, yeah, I would, my, my advice is not a word I use often, but mine would be at least directed towards community and support of educators. Right. And the other thing that we're seeing a lot of now is like you said, there's this emphasis, this heightened emphasis on acceleration towards grade level. So what are the things that we can do to, you know, help educators really scaffold for all their kids? Because increased grade level time is effectively what it's going to take for kids to actually achieve grade level success. So the first time ever, no advice for the teacher, but I love why you're giving no advice to the teacher directly. You're giving advice to the communities that surround teachers so teachers can do what they need to do to help children, which I think is a really important message. And I'm so glad you came on the podcast to share it here today, Ty. Thank you so much for joining me. I've, I've so appreciated your wisdom and what you've shared with everybody listening today. Hey, thank you as well. And uh, I, I really appreciate the the opportunity thanks for listening to the learning can't wait podcast if you liked what you heard please rate review and share this episode be the first to know when we have a new episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts if you'd like to be a guest on the show or have a suggestion for an episode email us at podcast at itutor.com Give your teachers the support they deserve with iTutor. iTutor's educator community consists of state licensed teachers across every state who can partner with your staff to provide instruction when they can't. After school, late nights, weekends, and summers, our educators got you covered. Head to iTutor.com. Your teachers will thank you.